Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. It's me, Dale, in a rare hosting position. I've, I've taken over Joe, or I suppose Card is Jewish. He's clearly the most hosty of all the hosts. He's, he's a big hosty boy these days. <laughs> yeah. He loves it. Uh, I'm joined with Joe Scrabbles. Hello, Joe. Help, you're joined with me. Yes. Slightly wow, end that's of a, right. I'm not, I'm not correcting that. No. It's like the end of Akira or some shit. We're just this shambling beast. I like it. And I'm also joined with Matt as um, well. Am I on your left? Or are we like a three kind of headed monster now conjoined? Uh, I like to think absolutely. that you're... we are a Cerberus sort of situation. Nice. I think you're a two-headed monster and I'm like the little uh, Krang in your belly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Krang. I haven't thought about Krang in a long time. I think about Krang quite a lot. I think it's... Is he, like... Was he in the new Turtles movies? I don't know. I think there was the big lad that carries him around. He must have been. Or am I just thinking of uh, Quato, Quato from uh, Total Recall, who's oh, just, a good who's Krang with attitude. That's that's his whole, <laughs> that's his whole deal. I was, was going to say he has arms, but Krang had little tiny like T-Rex arms, didn't he actually? Like little ones hanging yeah, out the side. Uh, was it arms or did he have little, were they just like little sort of nascent tentacles? Of brain. <laughs> yeah, brain tentacles. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Right in if you know. Big crang <laughs> discussion. That's how we start this kind of podcast. Anyway, so what we got today? We got so we've had another episode of the Falcon Winter Soldier. We're not going to go into spoilers of mm-hmm. it, but I think it's you know we've just passed the halfway point. It's six episodes, right, this yep. season. So yeah, we're past the halfway point. Just want to get everyone's general thoughts so far. What are we thinking, Matt? You're writing the review for iGen, so you're probably a good place to start. Yeah, I uh, I really like this show, and I f- sometimes feel I might be a bit of an outlier on this because general internet feeling seems to be that this is like quite a slow, dragging show that's not kind of working for a lot of people. I think it's great because it's really meaty and chewy, and it's full of lots of fascinating dissections of American life, which is mm. kind of the things that... You know how kind of Christopher Nolan's Batman movies kind of like really dissect the idea of what it would mean for a real man to pretend to be a bat? Yeah. Like, I like that this is kind of on a similar vibe to that, but looking at real big meaty elements that are kind of like, what does it mean to be in power? What do establishments mean to the people? What do superheroes mean to people? And what does the identity of Captain America mean? And it Mm. consistently explores that from episode to episode, which does sometimes mean that when I'm writing my reviews, I'm constantly writing about the same topic over and over. But it demonstrates a consistency that that show knows what it wants to talk about and it knows where its political headings are. And each episode does dig deeper and deeper into that as more facets of the characters are explored. I think it's doing a, like a really interesting job of that and I like it a lot. And I think it's grown in confidence over the episodes in that. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, I was watching it at lunchtime today and I was... I was thinking about how I'm enjoying the real world ramifications of the blip that aren't, mm-hmm. you know, used for comedy like they were in Spider-Man. Mm. And that makes sense for that film. But this one is like, 
you know, this is really the, the boots on the ground, like the real world people, how it truly affected them, especially the people that didn't disappear as well. Um, I think that's my favourite aspect of it. Like, I'm surprised that the internet are not enjoying it as much. Like, I'm enjoying this a lot more than WandaVision. And I didn't dislike WandaVision. I just don't think I was as enamoured with it as some people were, perhaps. I think what I like think, it Jim? less than you two on a just an MCU-y level. And I think mm-hmm. that accounts for why there's a muted reception to it. Because people went into it, myself included, being like, big, fun, spy thriller, guys punching yeah. through walls and a flying boy. <laughs> um, and like, there, you know, there is a stupid part of me that really wants that kind of thing. Um, and that's what I miss about MCU movies. You know, like there are, there are two or three time yearly dose of like mad loud bullshit with fun people quipping at each other that is not to say that i'm not admiring falcon and winter soldier and i totally agree and dale you've hit on the thing for me is i love that the mcu is now at a place where it's confident enough to begin exploring the ramifications of its own stupid sci-fi bullshit like to actually go they've the the idea that a group of very talented writers have had to sit around somewhere in california and go what would happen if half of people on Earth disappeared for five years and then came back? And uh, there's there's really cool stuff in there, and I love the explorations of uh, and and the reflections on like Black America and uh, uh, you know apart from anything else, I love how much time it's spent in Latvia. I haven't seen Latvia in anything for a while, <laughs> my my motherland. So that's good. Um, there's just there's there's a lot I think is really interesting about it. I think. I think maybe the heart of the issue in terms of what drags for me a bit is that I am not interested in US Agent and John Walker's stuff. It feels very... Something about that that segment of the show feels extremely one-note to me and feels like it... <laughs> there are moments in this latest episode that I felt I could have predicted from the first episode. Mm-hmm. and And so maybe the satisfaction is that the actually the MCUE bits aren't going as far as I think they would in a film. But it's doing a lot of other interesting stuff. It just happens to be a lot quieter. I, I certainly am not, I'm not waking up every week and being like, this is my appointment viewing, like I was mm-hmm. for WandaVision to an extent, towards except towards the end. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm torn on it. I, overall, I'm like I, I think I've sounded more negative than I mean to be. I'm not as into it as I wanted to be, but I still think it's doing really cool stuff. It's just different cool yeah. stuff to what I was expecting. Um, yeah, I'm quite surprised but, yeah. by the 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 lack of superhero flair. Maybe maybe not in the fourth episode or the first. Definitely not in the first one, but in the second and third episode, like. I don't think Sam was ever in his Falcon outfit. For those, no, he's I'm been out of it for quite a while. And obviously, like the most two recent ones are written by Derek Colson, who wrote not just Nobody that we spoke about a few few weeks ago, but also mm-hmm. he's the John Wick writer. And I think yeah. episode three, without giving away where that is set and what happens, is very kind of John Wicky, and it's a very slick espionage. Quite fun. It's, that's the one that, maybe goes a little bit too far on the buddy comedy even though i think it has better buddy comedy um dialogue than the episode that preceded it i think its attempt at comedy is very very hit and miss Mm. 
by and please at the most recent one basically ditches all of that and just goes super serious and it's like you know what we're actually dealing with quite complicated issues here and we're just gonna you you say that but there is that one line that i genuinely loved about uh <laughs> baron zemo doing a really annoying head tilt and then he just this is his head. Like, <laughs> that is a funny joke um it also yeah. ties into uh daniel Brühl's zemo is so weird and i really <laughs> yeah. like it like He's not the villain that he, you would think he is, um, at least on the outside of the way he's, he has become like a, a triple header to some extent. Like he's yeah, in a yeah. lot of that show in a way that I wasn't expecting. He was mm. in the trailer, so this doesn't count as spoilers. Yeah, um, yeah and we, and, we all uh, knew that he was there. Yeah. Uh, I, would say, I would say he feels like a bit of a departure from what he was in Civil War. Like, oh. He definitely feels like he's he's brought in some comedy chops now. He's having a bit more fun with I'm, life. I'm totally <laughs> fine with that, especially when we get the little dancing scenes of him and Dale puts <laughs> puts it to our music, which I think by the time you're <laughs> yeah. listening to this, you'll be able to see on Twitter. Um, Hopefully. It really fits. Yeah, he, he's slippery, isn't he, which is a quite like about him. There's this kind of... He's always been a character, like Civil War sets him up as a character where, yes, he's a villain, but his motivations are things that you could sort of empathize with and you understand where he's coming from. And I think there's a lot of that to him here, but because he's got that slipperiness, he's one of those villains that you, you sort of not necessarily root for, but you want to watch what they're doing. Yeah, the the villain situation is quite tricky right now, like not going into too much spoilers, but obviously you've got first three episodes sets up a villain, but then... They don't necessarily feel like traditional yeah. villains, and then we've got potential other villains coming into the play as well. So I'm, I'm like, two episodes doesn't feel like enough right now to me to wrap this up. There's a um, lot left, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very curious to see, like, you know, how we, how they're going to bring this all together. I'm sure they're going to nail it or mm-hmm. set up a second series, maybe. Who knows? Have they actually um, said anything about that? I know they said they're not doing one for one division, right? Yeah, I get the impression quite a lot of these are supposed to be one shots, but it's maybe that finger case of. It might be a one-shot for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, depending on what the storyline's here. Who's to say there won't be just the Falcon show or the Winter Soldier mm. show or US Agent show? You know, there might be yeah. many things that could come out of it. I think... Yeah, um, no. no, I'm interested to see... Uh, I'm interested to see, again, after WandaVision, whether there's a payoff here in terms of, like, connections as well. Like, WandaVision is very clearly connecting to certain stuff at the end of it. This one seems to be introducing more than connecting more um but i'm interested i'm very interested to see where it lands because we knew going into one division that it would connect to stuff we don't know yeah. what this is aiming to do and i think that's i think that's exciting it's fun to see the mcu building because it hasn't done that for a little bit um it's sort of woven a lot and so mm. i think there's something there's something exciting about watching this show maybe start to drop little threads and kind of, you know, build, start to build breadcrumb trails to other stuff. You mm. wonder where it's going to head with that. It's so invested yeah. in its characters, right, that I feel like it's it's a show that's designed to give you the journey of whether it, it's Sam or Bucky that becomes the headline sort of act by the end of it. It's investing in those characters so heavily, more so than it really invests in its own plot, mm. that I feel like it is sort of setting them up for bigger things on, you know, silver screen rather than small screen. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested, I mean, there's a lot of chatter about it's one thing seems to be that it's doing some tiny x many things, not in characters, but in terms of places it's setting up and that kind of thing. Right. I'm very interested to know whether this is Marvel fucking with us again <laughs> or whether this is, I, it feels like it's intentional at this point. 
Like it feels right, like there's yeah. a there's something being dropped here. Um, there was a as, as we speak, there was an interesting story this morning where they set up a, a website that ties into the fiction of the show um, about this one location, and that website launched with a bunch of Easter eggs that are all related to X Men, uh, and then a few hours later they were all gone. Uh, and I think that it was just Mar- someone at Marvel had some fun and then someone else at Marvel went, <laughs> no, thank you. That's a bit much. Um, I mean, the ones in this one feel like, I mean, the fact that I haven't know, I think there's only one of them I really notice a lot more subtle compared to the Quicksilver. This is oh, just the Quicksilver from Absolutely. <laughs> but it does feel yeah. a bit like they're having some fun kind of dropping these moments of, we know you know these are X-Men things if you care about yeah. the comics. Um, and I'm, I'm into that. Like... I don't mind them. I know the fan theory stuff got a bit out of control with WandaVision, but I'm kind of into them just teasing us a bit more because, you know, it's a, it's a new phase and no one really knows where it's going and there's some stuff there's some stuff to play with there. Hey, as someone who's like one of the world's biggest fans of Lost, if we're doing <laughs> weekly things where we can try and find secrets and hidden messages mm-hmm. what we can all talk about, then I'm into it. That's, <laughs> that's peak television to me. That's the, I want, <laughs> he's the mystery box boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll just see what if it has a satisfying conclusion. Or I think loss of satisfying conclusion. Many people disagree. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of satisfying, <laughs> just satisfying, uh, Outriders. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I know we we touched on it last week, I believe. Um, but and when Matt, the demo played, came out, we've yeah, had that's true. multiple yeah, but drops. Matt, but Matt, you've played it a lot. I've also played it a lot. Joe, I don't know how much have you you not played. I have much. not played it a lot. I've played. Uh, maybe an hour beyond the demo area um right. and then i just got it's not that i got bored or anything although I, i'm told i probably would <laughs> um but uh but uh, it, it's just being pulled onto other stuff really monster hunter yeah. exists it's pretty difficult for me right now that's absolutely fair i have a sort of um mixed feelings with this i know matt i think you're leaning a bit more negative than i am right now mm-hmm. um but i remember when we me and matt covered this for an igm first oh, a long long time ago now probably like 10 months ago or something and i remember coming out of it thinking i probably won't carry on playing this because i felt like i had my fill but i guess time was a healer and something pulled me back in and i still find great satisfaction with the abilities and like you i think the best thing about this game currently for me is the mods like seeing how a mod can affect my character. Like Matt, you told me last night or we were playing, Jesse had a mod which struck lightning down when he yeah. fired a gun on someone. And after we finished playing last night, I was carried on playing for a bit and I got that mod. Oh, nice. And it's like incredibly satisfying how um, these little attachments can just change your loadout completely and how it works together. And that's the most exciting thing for me. Obviously, there's the you know the addictive element of the loot grind as well, but we get that in a lot of games. Um but there's a lot of negative as well with this game. What are yeah. some of your thoughts there? Uh, so I think, like you say, that mod system is excellent. But I do think the way that the mod system sort of undervalues the weapons a little bit because it's the mod that's the important bit, mm. not the gun. So when you get a legendary, which are the only guns in the game that look any visually distinct, everything else just looks like a gun that a seven-year-old's yeah. drawn. Um, but when you get those there's not necessarily any impetus to stick with them because the stats disappear very, very quickly. Then you might as well just rip the things that were interesting about that gun and stick them on another one. Um, So whereas in Destiny or or Borderlands, when you get like a really cool gun, there's an impetus to stick with it and make it your own. 
there's less there, which does admittedly give some flexibility, which I do like. But yeah. for me, it's now come to the point of where, yes, I like using the abilities, even though I'm still using the core three abilities it gave me at the start of the game, because I feel like everything it's given me since isn't working for the way its combat encounters are set up, because those combat encounters feel incredibly one note. And I feel like I've been doing the same encounter for almost 20 hours now. And because it's it's awkward because i'm i'm playing doom eternal at the same time i'm playing the dlc there and its encounter design very much uses different enemies in different patterns and introduces them into the battle arenas in different ways to almost this is going to very much sound like me doing game design wank but it's almost like it (laughs) plays a different song with the notes and each note is a different enemy and so you've got different tracks that you effectively fight to whereas i find i'm playing the same resetting kind of track with outriders quite frequently and it's either monsters that all look the same you get waves of little ones and then you get a big wave of big ones and some flying ones turn up and then rinse repeat or the bad guys are always like you get a bunch of riflemen there's a bunch of snipers on the back perch and then some things will run at you and then there'll be like eight of the fucking captains that have giant guns that take you like minutes and minutes and minutes to grind down and i've done that so many times now that because it doesn't offer me any real strong enemy variety or encounter design variety i've got three abilities that work very well and it doesn't feel like it's working with me to mix that up and so what i think is its greatest strengths which is actually its combat Mm. and using those abilities i don't think it's doing anything interesting as the campaign progresses to force me to think about how I use those abilities. I think that's yeah. the that's the weird thing about it. It's like they made such a big deal about this not being a live service game and not being, you know, not being mo- massively multiplayer and all that kind of stuff. But all the enemies feel like they're designed for a bad internet connection. Mm-hmm. You know, like how, how those old MMOs <laughs> feel yeah. bad to do combat in because they couldn't work out how to make combat work for 50 people at once. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. None of the none of the enemies react very much. None of the enemies seem to like, particularly those captains. Like they yeah. are very a game that gives you so many powers and so many ways to use powers for for them to feel so much like they just bounce off of people half the time, three quarters of the mm. time even. Like it's a very odd decision. Um, like I think about that Destiny decision a lot about where someone told me I can't remember who it was that all the Destiny enemies projectiles move slowly because that's the best way to do an online being shot at mm-hmm. by an enemy like because it, mm. it it tracks well enough um and it doesn't feel unfair but the upshot of that is that destiny's combat encounters are really fluid and full of movement and full of interest and i know de- comparing destiny to outriders is probably unfair given the scales of budget <laughs> at work here but like there's something about outriders combat that looks like it's trying to get there with a bit of that doomy onslaughty like combat yeah. mm-hmm. but it just can't manage both sides well enough it feels somewhere stuck in the middle it's quite odd um it's a shame because yeah. really, there's a lot there that i think that's worth loving and like i don't think it's in the aesthetic and i don't think it's in the world and the story's <laughs> boring as fuck and all of this story but i think there's like there was something at when when me and dale went to play it like i thought there was something there that i enjoyed and i found it again in the demo but it's just it never evolves past that point and there's a boss fight that me and cardi did that so me and cardi have played it through entirely basically and there's this boss fight which i guess is probably about halfway through the game which was just 
one of these things and i don't like this design anyway in games period from you know history of it but where your boss is sort of off screen and you can't actually get on top of it and so you just have to fire at almost like this background item and that fight must have taken 40 minutes to do and we're playing it on whatever the highest difficulty we're naturally getting to because obviously there's that world tier system and when it boosts us up we're like okay we'll stick with it you know that's the way we're supposed to get better loot but it just means that it doesn't feel like it's necessarily harder it just feels like everything takes longer and when things take longer those flashy effects like gradually become background noise rather than a really cool thing i'm doing yeah and i want to like it but i think uh, we did a boss battle last night as well me and matt and cardi and um again like there was never any challenge with it it never felt like we were having to learn a rhythm or anything like that Mm. it was just just unload until they're dead and that could take you 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it, was, it was very much a sort of rinse and repeat cycle I think you know I do like elements of it like I said I do like the mods and the powers I wish I'd like what you said Joe I wish they'd put some extra thought into like what they did for the mods and the powers into enemies mm. and variety of enemies as well I don't see why they couldn't come up with like another dozen type of enemies that you can fight against um but it does feel kind of like the same, the same, but it has that element what all these games have, which is the, you know, the chase for the loot, right? The What, what is the next shiny thing I'm going to get and what is that going to do? Yeah. Um, I do think this game, I have been in the situation several times where I've had a gun where I really like, and it feels like such a chore to bring that gun up with me that I just have to sacrifice it for the next gun, which I don't like as much, but has much better points. Yeah. And I feel like that happens a lot quicker than it normally does in these sort of games. And that can be slightly frustrating. Now I'm just holding on to these guns that are severely underleveled, but I like them. And I'm hoping at one point I'll have enough like equipment, um, bits and bobs, whatever they're called, iron and things like yeah. that, to uh, bring it up to the level. Um, so that part's slightly frustrating. Yeah. I do think I'm going to see it through, though. Oh, yeah, um, I will. Because I like. I, at the end of the day, I quite like having a, a game to play with mates. Like that yeah. is a nice thing yeah. to do. And it's... It's a fresh way of doing it, you know, so there's that there. I do wish it would make that easier because I have not been able to play an hour of this game without it either crashing and booting me out, losing connection to to the, the main game, or being yeah. stuck on the sign-in page for four minutes. <sighs> I was on it, no joke, I was on it for about 15 minutes last night while waiting. I know, just I was listening, listening to, to you. <laughs> just listening to you two, having a good time. Oh, well, a mixed time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. I was just on my phone, just waiting for it to be signed in for the longest time. Obviously, that's early early launch issues. Hopefully, they'll iron that sort of stuff out. But will we be playing the game by the time they fix all that stuff? It's uh, it's really funny in terms of the... Um, uh, you mentioned the, the games to play with mates and bad boss battles. I know I've, I think I've mentioned this to you already, at least, Matt. But um, I've been playing a lot of Sea of Thieves recently and doing just the campaign stuff in that, the Tall Tales. Um, and... That game is so good at being a game with mates almost the whole time that it makes it, there's no it just feels like there's very little reason for me to play Outriders at the same time as playing Sea of Thieves because yeah. I know which one is better to just hang out in. It's basically a floating chat room. But the <laughs> um there's the there are two boss battles. I hope there's only two. I've only got one more campaign mission to do in the Sea of Thieves campaign that are so fucking shit that we just had... They take like half an hour, 45 minutes, just shooting one skeleton over and over again, continually dying and getting blown up, and it's just boring as fuck. But the idea 
that Outriders has boss battles that feel the same as Sea of Thieves is an absolute joke to me. Like, when you told me about that, I was like, Sea of Thieves is a game that struggles with its own construction for that. Outriders is literally built to do this, and it can't get it right. It's so weird. Um, yeah, what what a strange what a strange thing. Like, I will say, and I think we said this before, I'm delighted that a game like Outriders is being made right now. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. It's It sucks that it's not as good as we'd want it to be, but... It's really cool that people are still funding games like this, like weird experimental takes on on existing ideas. I, I'm totally into that. And People Can Fly yeah. are a, a company that I would always like to see do that kind of thing. Um, Especially things that way. It feels like that idea has been cemented with like popular games that have sort of cornered the market and you think that maybe there's no room mm. there anymore. Like you've got your Destiny, you've got your Division, you've got Avengers even as well, same publisher as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's cool that they They've done it, but you know, hopefully, hopefully they fix some of these things in the future. Some of the technical issues, anyway. And then I, I've heard, I saw they were making adjustments to the, the um, which character is it? The one that Cardi plays. Oh, you're a trickster. Trickster, yes. Mm. I saw somebody tweeting that they were nerfing the trickster. Oh, of course they Already. are. It's the yeah. <laughs> best character by far, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's another thing, actually. Just like there was great thought put into what characters we were playing at the start, like who's going to play what. So we try and compliment each other. I feel like that makes no difference whatsoever. We could all three of us be pyromancers and I don't think it would make any real well, difference. As long Although, as you've got Cardi there for his big time bubble. I think that's yeah. the main thing. <laughs> did you see the, um, did you see, I think it was Eurogamer, uh, Wes at Eurogamer put up a piece yesterday about how in the end game, people are already just booting Devastators out of their squad because oh they're the, because they're the only class that can't do high DPS basically. And so once right. you get to the end game where it's about killing as many people as possible as fast as possible, um, they're just useless. So it's if you're a devastator like me, you just <laughs> you're apparently just getting into games and they're like, nope, see ya. <laughs> it just sucks. I remember having that with I think it was the Division One maybe where I got into the end game stuff and um, I was trying to build up my gear score, but I wasn't quite good enough to some of the higher level players. And every game I joined, I just get booted out immediately because my gear score was crap. Yeah, the, the, this is the same with all of these games. Like uh, in Destiny Two, when the raids came up, you get booted if you didn't have. There was a specific fusion rifle. I can't remember the name of it now, but it was a fusion rifle that would build up its attack speed the more you used it. Mm. And basically, it was the one hit shot to make sure that some of the bosses would go down. If you didn't have it, you were booted out the fucking team. It was like, no, we don't. <laughs> want you jesus ruthless aren't they mm. anyway let's talk about something a bit more light a bit more fun joe you've been playing it takes two a yeah lot the, the, this is very much girlfriend. the we, we haven't prefaced this but it's very much the updates episode because yeah <laughs> there's nothing else fucking going on yeah it turns out nothing's really coming out this week or yeah. happening so um just to talk about what we're playing if you weren't already sold on it takes two let me tell you that having finished it I cannot imagine a world where it's not right near the top of my game of the year list at the end of this year. It's amazing. fucking amazing. It's it's. I've not played a game this like rich in ideas since mm, Super Mario Odyssey. Like it's got. I, I know I've compared it to Mario before, and it's a very tired thing. But it's got that like careening thing where it just feels like the developers have gotten bored and just been like fuck it we'll do the next thing and nailed that and fuck it we'll do this and nailed that and it just all the way through there's maybe one section that i thought wasn't uh as fun uh switch up in mechanics as any of the rest mm -hmm. and like every other time every hour you're doing something completely new in a completely new place um a lot of people have a problem with the story 
I think it's quite fun. I I quite like the mad book that shouts at you and goes woo all the time. Like <laughs> Dr. Hakeem. Yeah, it sounds like um, who's the wrestler that goes woo, Dale? Ric Flair. Ric Flair. He's like he's like a book. <laughs> Ric Flair. Um, oh, I love that. And uh, yeah, and it's just oh, it's just so nice. It's just such a great yeah. time. Uh, uh, yeah, like I don't have much to add to it. I think uh, the ending story wise is a bit duff, but if you're in it for the story, I mean. You're playing the wrong game, um, but yeah. it's oh, it's just so silly and fun. I I love what I've played so far. Um, the thing I love the most about this is also the thing I kind of hate the most because I just want to play it, but convincing my wife to pick up the controller for a session is quite tough. But once she gets into it, she enjoys playing it. But I do kind of I'm. Um, Especially because of our jobs and stuff. I feel like when I get games, I just blast through them kind of as quickly as possible. And this is, I'm not being able to do that, but I'm also getting to spend quality time with my wife playing it Mm. as well. So it's kind of like, you know, a double-edged sword, really. Um, I desperately want to play it. Well, I kind of wish it did have matchmaking, but I completely understand why they don't. They want to force you to play with your friends and your family and your loved ones, right? And... um, I mean, that was reaffirmed. We did, uh, so tomorrow, actually, there's a video going live with Joseph Farris, the the creator of the game, who's doing, uh, responding to IGN comments. It's really good fun. And he mentions this several times about how, you know, the game's about love and he wants, it's about sharing your time with your loved one as well and how passionate he is about couch co-op as well. Um, so I, I, I love that about the game, but also I really want to just carry on playing it. She doesn't like to play more than an hour. And that's mm. quite... That's difficult for me. I will say I'm I'm very lucky to have Anna in my life because I uh, I don't respond well to doing badly in games as mm. as Dale has seen when I play Overwatch. Oh yeah. Um and thankfully Anna's response to me being like for fuck's sake is just to laugh in my face uh, oh, right. because <laughs> if she actually got upset by it I think we would have broken up. Uh yeah, it's uh, it's it's and I'm t- I'm not just talking about her play of it. Like there are bits of that game that are hard and will yeah. uh, and will frustrate you in the right way. You know, it's always your fault. It's precise enough to to make it feel right. But yeah, there's there's some stuff in there where you're like, Jesus Christ, I've got to this yeah. has got to we've got to do it. Um, it's it's fun. Yeah, even I like even early on, I found some of the boss battles to be like I know if it was me and say you or Caddy or whoever playing it, mm. it wouldn't be too much of a challenge. But when you've got someone who's not completely like used to, you know, third person controls and stuff, they're like proving quite tricky in the uh, the early days. Like, there's the one with the nails constantly falling down on you. Yes. Like she was really struggling with that for a while. It's game design language as well. Like it's that mm. feeling of it's every time I play a game with Anna, I learn something interesting about the stuff that I've ingested true, over the yeah. years. The the one that really got got to me here that I had never thought about before is that as soon as you see a circular shadow in a game, you know something's going to fall on it in two seconds. Mm -hmm. But there's no reason to believe that. Like, that's not a normal thing to think. So when we were playing, I was like, oh, you know something's coming, right? And Anna was like, why would I? I was like, oh, yeah, because shadows don't appear from nowhere where something is about to be. (laughs) Like, that's not... That's interesting. It's really interesting, those bits of language you learn... Yeah, invisibly. It's really fun. I I found the thing that she was struggling with a bit was rhythm. So the idea of like when something's spinning towards you, knowing like getting timing of your jumps in between the spins. um, That was something like I just talked to like a Dr. Water, obviously, because we were used to playing games like that. But but Loz has really struggled with. Um, 
Also, the third uh, using two sticks at the same time. That she is not <laughs> into that. That is. All. She always I, moves one and then moves the camera afterwards. That is the classic. <laughs> like when I played games with my dad when I was a kid and just gave up after a while because it's just. Mm. The, it's so odd how how this is not new stuff to say, but it's so odd how natural a feeling that is when it is yeah. like quite a bizarre bit of dexterity that doesn't attach to any other bit of your life. Like you would never do yeah. that for anything else. Uh, it's it's really it's very true. Yeah. Um, all right. Have we been playing anything else, guys? We got anything else we want to talk about before we move on? I would like to bring up this is this is classic IGN UK fodder. I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> a documentary about art forgery that I watched recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, genuinely, so it's a it's a, a like an hour and a half feature documentary on Netflix at the moment, or at least Netflix UK, called Made You Look, um, and they it, it it's its central mystery is kind of solved within half an hour and it's more about the people involved. Basically, one of the oldest, most famous and most influential galleries in US history shut down uh, in 2011, I think it was, after it found after people found out they'd been selling forgeries for 20 years. Um, forgeries made by, or sold by seemingly one woman. Uh, and it's basically about how this came about and how it, whether it, the central mystery is whether the dealer at this gallery knew she was selling them and she's on camera being like i had no idea i was taken in and everyone else is like no she fucking knew um, <laughs> and it's fascinating they made like 86 million dollars over a couple of decades just through forgeries and it oh turns out that those forgeries were the only thing keeping that gallery open um <laughs> Some really like, and the thing that I loved about it, it's it's not a super, it's not like a classily made documentary. I think it's a TV documentary, so there's a lot of like big silly music and stabs of noise when bad things happen. It like it doesn't mm. feel prestige, but it doesn't really matter. The subject matter is so interesting, and the just the interviewees because all of these people, everyone they're talking to, are like top of their field in one thing. So there's like incredibly, you know, billionaires, lawyers or um, art forensics experts, or guys whose entire life is dedicated to studying the one dude's paintings. And the interesting thing about this is that makes everyone fucking weird. They're all, like, there's guys who are, like, dressed like disheveled princes, and, like, a dude... Uh, like, just people who... The, the int I think the interesting message of the documentary that it never says out loud is... If you think you're the best at something, you will never admit that you've got anything wrong. And so there's all mm. these guys who are like the ones who certified these paintings as real and are now going, oh, I never said that. And it's like, well, you wrote it down yeah. and said you definitely did. <laughs> um, it's just like a really good collection of people and a really weird story that takes some interesting turns. Uh, and also, he's never on screen, but there's just the dude that owned the gallery is Army Hammer's dad. Uh, I didn't know Army Hammer came from like a billionaire family uh and yeah. like yeah this whole thing is like at the very end you're suddenly like by the way this is michael hammer and then there's a picture of army hammer with him and you're like oh yeah it's really strange <laughs> um yeah it's it's great if you've got an hour and a half and you're interested in art forgery get involved it's brilliant that um just randomly reminded me of uh, the eric andre film on netflix Bad oh Trip. i watched that the other day yeah, I watched it the other day as well. I, th I think it's because towards the end of the film, there's the art gallery mm. scene, I get, art installation scene. That's what it reminded me of. 
Have you seen this, Matt? Are you a fan of Eric Andre? I am aware of who he is. I've not watched a huge amount of Eric Andre material. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, it actually feels less bizarre than some of his other stuff. It's yeah. more of a coherent story wrapped around a, like prank material, like hidden camera pranking. I basically. didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that going in at all. That it is a, mm. it's like a road trip movie with fictional characters. It's just that all the comedy scenes are real pranks that they filmed along the way, jackass yeah. style. Like it's quite odd. Um, I, I, I think it's a it's a good sort of starting point for anybody. Um, Instead of watching the show, the show is fucking insane, like yeah. bizarre shit. And if unless you like just surreal, just wacky nonsense, it's avant-garde it, jackass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas the film feels like much more of a softer touch for that. It feels like a, mm. a, an opening for someone who's not used to watching Eric Andre stuff. Um, there is some scenes in there which are mental, <laughs> where crazy things happen, but they but they are really. Fun. I don't want to say anything about this film, but I would say if you yes, if you are into, you know, like hidden camera pranking, but you also want a nice coherent story to to take you along the journey. It has a lot of heart as well. It is genuinely quite a soft, like it is quite a gentle film story-wise. It's just, it has these detours where Eric Andre will be regularly naked and smashing yeah. into things. Um, <laughs> oh, right. All right, I'm just going to say two words. One, the zoo, yep. which was incredible. And two, uh, the Chinese finger trap as well. Oh yeah, I forgot about the Chinese finger trap. That's quite... <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the thing. Like when we're saying this is a soft entry point for Eric Andre pranks, this is still a film where he is regularly pretending to have his dick pulled off and stuff. Like it's not, it's, it's not like watch with your parents, Eric Andre still. Um, yeah. He's uh, the bit I would say, Dale, and for anyone else who has watched it cryptically is army recruitment. That bit, oh despite God, yes. not being very much uh, in like the spectacle of it is just like the most <laughs> awkward watch. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, his commitment to the role is it's is a sight to behold. And actually, do you know what I really loved about it? And the post credits, post credits, yeah. like when yeah. so they show them revealing that these are pranks to all the people that they've pranked, and it it ties up the heart of the film really nicely because you see how much almost everyone he's pranked along the way kind of enjoys finding out that that's what happened. There's no hmm. no one that I saw in that was truly upset. Although I did see an yeah. interview. There's a bit during one of the pranks where they are chased out of a shop with a knife. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was their first day of filming. Oh, no. <laughs> and and uh, the other guy, um, what's he called? Lil Ren? Lil Ren Howery? Oh, I'm not sure. He's in um, Get Out as well. I can't I can't remember yeah. his exact, his, his full name. But he um, he said like he nearly quit after that day on the first day of filming because it is so that's the one prank where they could legitimately have died doing this like it's absolutely <laughs> yeah. insane but but you're right though it like it never feels like obviously during the film it feels like these people are the butt of the joke but afterwards it just feels like they were part of like you were part of the performance and it's a surprise and everyone always seems so happy to be like i think they're they're mostly relieved that this person wasn't as crazy as they thought they, oh, they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, I can't be, like, isn't it bizarre that an Eric Andre prank film was at one point the biggest film in the world for like a week? Like, I'm, Netflix has done something strange to popular yeah. consciousness. <laughs> is, that would never have happened. Uh, I, I really it's well worth it. checking. It's quite a short film. I think it's like ninety minutes as well. It's well worth checking out if you if you like prank stuff and you don't know much about Eric Andre. And if you like Eric Andre, you know exactly what you're going to get. So oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> Alrighty, 
I think it's time for an endless search, guys. Okay, then. Go on, then. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Okay, so we've got one written in by Matthew Jones, and it caught my eye, and you might see why in a minute. Uh, I'll read his email. Hi guys, while listening to last week's Endless Search, I had an idea for one for you to try. It will take no effort from me, but the host will have some work to do. That was true. I, I did the work. I can't believe Dale actually <laughs> did the work. It's unbelievable. It took me five minutes. It oh, was fine. Okay. <laughs> Using the PS5's ability to look at how long you've played a game for, the host names a game title and the contestants have to guess how many hours the host has logged onto that game. I'm sure you can come up with some kind of point system where the closer you are to the answer, the more points you get. Again, I'm being lazy, but I'm at work, so that's my excuse. I'm thinking of calling it, how long did I last? But that's a bit shit, so mm. feel free to change it. <laughs> I've stuck with how long I last. <laughs> <laughs> Dale, I don't like that I have to ask how long you've lasted, all right? It's, it's so I do intimate. like that, so that's why we're sticking with that title. <laughs> also, because you're a platinum hunter... You're going to last very long. Well, this is. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm, this is uh, genuinely. I don't. I looked at this game and I was like, "Oh, this would be rubbish for me because everything would be about three hours." <laughs> Whereas, so, except Monster Hunter. Whereas for you, God knows what these numbers yeah. are going to be. Well, I've chosen six games, and I've mm-hmm. also got one as a tiebreaker in case we need it. But I've I've gone for the bigger games because most of the time, not every one of them, but I've got your two hours as well. Really? Yeah, so we can go into that afterwards. Um, But I'm thinking if we both write down a number on a piece of paper, we reveal it, closest gets a point. I think that's the simplest way to do it. Right. Are you guys ready for the first game? This is going to be such a creepy look into your bizarre way of playing games. Let me get some paper. (laughs) All right. Oh, that's going too strong. I'm going to do some commentary. He's got a nice uh, pirate ship behind him. What's that all about, Matt? Oh, yeah. Have you got a little Lego pirate ship, Matt? Oh, that? Yeah. That that I made... Uh, for anybody that can't see it, I've basically got a Blackbeard ship behind me. Uh, my, my housemates kind of gave it for me for Christmas, and it was made out of... It's a jigsaw puzzle. Oh, what? Whoa. Yeah, it's a 3D jigsaw puzzle. It's got lights in it as well. Holy is it plastic? So is it plastic pieces? Though? No, it's cardboard pieces. What? And it stays up like that? Yeah, it looks yeah. incredible. It took me six <laughs> hours to make, and it came out a lot bigger than I expected. There's nowhere else to keep it. <laughs> right. First game. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Ooh. How many hours? How long did I last? <laughs> Have we both got a number? Yep. I've done a lot of writing. I've got digits one. I was writing write? the name out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, let's see your answers. Or well, actually, say your answers. I guess for the yeah, audience. Okay. I've gone for fifty-five. So Forty-five. Oh, the answer is sixty-four. So Joe gets the point. Did and you also, go back in for the plat? Is that what you were doing? Uh, no, I, I. So what you got to bear in mind with some of these, it's not always the platinum. Sometimes it's for work as mm-hmm. well, because I have to go back in and do capture and stuff, or mm. play things through several times for work. Um, that's why I, me- I remember you mentioned recently about The Last of Us 2. I've got 99 hours on The Last of yeah. Us 2. But that was mostly because for work stuff. <laughs> I was like replaying to get, I was trying to find secrets and stuff. I suppose we did it like ending explained and all of that, didn't we? So yeah, Exactly, yeah. Uh, 
Joe, I don't think you played... Oh, I couldn't see your list said you hadn't played it, unless you didn't like Final it. Fantasy VII mm-hmm. Remake. Yeah. I have not played Final Fantasy VII oh, there Remake. we go. Uh, but Matt, you obviously did, and do you want to guess how many yours, hours are? I not think mine's probably about 45. <laughs> so yours is exactly 64 as well. Oh, is it? Holy Jesus. shit. exact same amount of hours. I mean, got- I do adore it, so... <laughs> have you got the Platinum? No, you've no. got to replay it twice to get. Well, sorry, you've you got, got to play it on the hard, yeah. hard mode as well, and I, I, I didn't have the um, stomach to do that. Can I, can I ask you? I feel like I've asked this already, and this is probably better for off. But you know, it's podcast. Isn't it? <laughs> Go it's on. Only time we talk. <laughs> um, the thing I would like to know is, obviously, I got it on PlayStation Plus. Should I just wait for Integrate, or should I play? Well, it you, now? you can't upgrade it to no. Integrate. Um, so. I mean, it's just imagine, an add-on anyway, so yeah. I don't see why not just play it now, and then you'll know if you truly but gel it with it. But is it going to look way nicer? Well, that's a good point. I could start it. How long does it take to get into the proper bit? Does it have a big old tutorial section? Not really. No, not really. Maybe I mean, you might just want to because yeah, you've played the obviously the original opening section, right? We did that as a show. You could maybe just do the first reactor, get a feel for it, and then come back for integrate. Mm, maybe I'll do that. Sounds there are awesome. some. How much does it look? What have they actually improved? They've know. got to make sure that those fucking a the doors because the there are so right. many doors. But yeah, the background, like when you're very very high up the pillar and you can see Midgar on the ground and it just <sighs> yeah. looks like a kid's drawing, like that's got to be improved. When everyone was talking about how good the graphics were in that game, I couldn't believe it. I mean, obviously there's a lot of beautiful stuff in that game, but some of those backgrounds were hideous. I think like, it's like ninety percent good to ten percent bad. <laughs> obviously, I haven't played much of it but um or yeah like anything in in the main game but i've seen a lot of it definitely didn't look as good as final fantasy 15 to me which i still think looks astonishing in places Mm. like some of the character animation and the way those uh, some of the stuff moves i don't know maybe i'm wrong yeah let's play the game anyway yeah (laughs) next game no man's sky oh wow you like no man's sky don't you i'm also really interested in how much i've played this Oh, I have that answer for you. Yeah, I do have the platinum on No Man's Sky, by the way. Oh, okay. I have no idea how hard the platinum is for it, though. I mean, you will have had to have got just to, have the to end. put a lot of time in. Yeah. No, you don't actually. You don't have to do that. You don't have to get to the the galaxy bit. No, so, no that takes fucking eight hundred hours or whatever. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, okay. we both got an answer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Matt, what's your answer? I'm going to say uh, one fifty. I've gone Ooh, Joe, 78. Got? Matt gets the point. It's 142. Jesus. Because yeah. uh, you go back for one. every expedition, as, uh, every exactly. expansion as well, yeah. Every update, I usually go back and put five to ten hours in checking it out and stuff. Uh, Joe, you've put 44 hours into No Man's Sky. Yeah, so that sounds a, about right. A good old chunk. Matt, you put four in. wasn't yeah. for you. Well, I only bought it when, um, you know, when they did like the VR update and, mm, and all of right. that kind of stuff. That's when I bought it. And um, yeah, I just kind of like I potted around in it a bit and never been back. Yeah. I did a lot. I did my thing with all of these kind of games where I got obsessed with scanning and almost nothing else. So I was just going to planet <laughs> to planet going, oh, is there a new kind of centipede for me to find, please? <laughs> uh, uh, obviously, um, Matt, with your hours, these are just PlayStation hours. You might see in games coming up. You know, you've got different. You play on different devices. Yeah. Well, so. mm-hmm. um, the next game, though, Rainbow Six Siege. Oh. Oh Jesus. And bear in mind, I only play on PlayStation. This yeah. Game. I don't. I don't play it on PC, except for preview events. 
Mm. And I have both your numbers for this. this have we got answers, boys? Yeah. I'm just trying to think how many days we played in a row and then just <laughs> add up that as hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, Matt, what's your answer? 600. Wow. 600. I've gone wow. considerably lower at 181. Okay, so Matt gets a point because it's 547. Jesus Christ, Dale. <laughs> yeah, I put a lot of hours in that game, turns out. Did you play I, a lot I, at home? I played quite, There would be periods where I would play at home a lot and then I would go months without playing at home for a while and... When I was trying to get better, when I was actually trying to get good at the game, I put a lot of hours in at home on my own. Anyway, Joe, you put 190 hours in yep. yourself. And Matt, obviously you play it on PC as well, but you put 210 hours on PlayStation. Yeah, I've, I've got about the same on PC as well. That is bizarre. I can't believe you've played more than me on P- PS4, and yet we were playing on that game before you joined IGN on PS4, and I don't know if you had, had you? Hmm. Didn't you start was... the game on PS4 when you joined, Matt? Oh, no, no. So, so yeah, so PS4 was... I'd never played it on PS4 before I joined yeah. IGN. Uh. And I'd done... I got to exactly the same, uh, like... What's the... Le- what do they call it? Like, containment level or, or mm. whatever your in-game rank is. My <laughs> PlayStation account is now equal with my PC account. Wow. Nice. Um, next game. Fall Guys. Oh, this is another one you like. You haven't got another one yet, though, have you? Well, uh, no. Squads mode. You've got to get back Well, in. I've been trying it. I've only had one one win in squads mode. Uh, turns out you always get stuck with a couple of idiots on the team <laughs> every time. That's no way to talk about Cardi. That's not fun. <laughs> Four guys. Oh, this is yeah. it. This is one of those ones where I can't, because it came out during quarantine, so I have no idea, realistically, how much you've played. Oh my god! It came out less than a year ago. That's mm-hmm. insane. It feels like about four years that game's been out for now. Yeah. Okay. What we got Matt. Well, I know that I've definitely got about sub ten hours in it because I never <laughs> took to four guys. You I reckon you've got about four guys. Do I? I reckon you've got seventy-five. Okay. I've gone two hundred and one. Jesus, I'm not that mad. I just thought uh, you might be really into it at home. I am. I've got 85 hours in it, but yeah. not 201. So Look, Matt gets another point. If you've played 600 of Rainbow Six, all right, anything's on the table here. You can't <laughs> scoff at me. Can you imagine how, how many hours... I should have checked how many hours Cardi's put in Avengers at this point. And Overwatch. Mm. God, actually. We should have oh, done Overwatch is absolutely yeah. wild. I've seen... He's talked about that before. I can't remember what it is, but it, mm. it made me want to throw up. Okay. <laughs> Next game. Big one. One of the best games of the year. Friday the 13th. The yes. game. <laughs> Uh, Matt, I don't, I couldn't see this on your list, uh, but Joe, I've got hours for you. Um, I've only oh, yeah. played it once, but I might not have played it on my console. Right. It was we did a we did a lovely Halloween evening, didn't we? Once yeah, where we had we uh, Gavin Cooper yeah. over, big Chad energy. <laughs> <laughs> right, what we got? Uh, gone, Joe, you go first this time for forty-two hours. Ooh, okay, Matt, what have you? Got? I went for sixty. So Matt, it is fifty nine hours. Hey, one hour it's off. absolutely bad me in this he's, game. He's just got me sussed. Yes. <laughs> uh, Joe, you've put thirteen hours into Friday the Thirteenth as well. It's very apt. Excellent. Keep it at that. Uh, yeah, I'm never playing again. 
<laughs> okay, we got, well, one more just for fun. I've also got a tiebreaker as well, but the last one is Rocket League. Oh, interesting. I don't really yeah, have Matt, a sense I looked of on them. yours and you had zero hours and zero percent. So you clearly yeah. installed it at one point and never played it. I downloaded it when it was free. On, I downloaded <laughs> literally every PS Plus game, regardless of whether I'll ever play it. Um, and I think I've actually played it on PC, but I, d- yeah. I don't get on with Rocket League. It's not a, not my kind of deal. Yeah, so I... before you're at iGen, it was for a period just before Overwatch came out. This was like our lunchtime game. Yeah, I came you're feeding in the- me information here because I don't know what your feelings are. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great because I didn't know either. Because um, I came in right at the tail end of that. I think the last time mm. you played Rocket League was with me, and I'm not taking that as a slight, but you know, <laughs> might be. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm with just- that in mind, right. I've okay. solidified my guess. Go for it. Of 110 hours. <laughs> I've also gone for 110 hours. <laughs> oh my god. It's 45 hours. It's a lot less than you think. But Joe, you've put 93 hours into Rocket League. Have I really? (laughs) Yeah. Fucking hell. I'm rubbish at that game. (laughs) I do do worry sometimes that, not worry, wonder, um, whether just leaving things on the menu counts as this time as well. I am interested in that because I'm sure I haven't played that. I played quite a bit when it first came out. Um, Mm. My... My uh, my brother still plays and is very, very good and will send me messages saying he's the Pele of cars. It's <laughs> really made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, the tiebreaker one I had, and we could just do it for fun, yeah. it was Peggle 2. Ooh. Interesting. I mean, I'd play that just for Ode to Joy. From what I could see, you guys... Oh, yeah, oh, I was going to so say, from what I see, you guys didn't play it on PlayStation. No, I played it on, played on Xbox. Yeah. This is one of those games, Taylor, that like, you might have played like 700 hours of because I know <laughs> no, it's no, no. quite like small and snackable. Well, isn't it yeah. really, really hard to get the platinum as well? I've got it, mate. Yeah, but isn't it like <laughs> one of those ones where you have to kind of get chance-based I can, situations? Yes, there's a lot of chance situations. Um, I can barely remember it was a long time ago. I wish they would uh, make a Peggle free. Me I'd too. Be all over it. All right, got an answers. I've gone yep. for eighty-one, ninety. Ooh, so Joe, you get it. Seventy hours. I yes, I finally got another point. <laughs> <laughs> Seventy hours in Peggle. That's time well spent, though. I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Like it's, it's perfect. Like podcast material as well. Like obviously the music's great, but sometimes you can. Just, it's a sort of game you can just play while you got music on in the background. It was well. the only correct use case for the Xbox One Snap feature that ever existed. <laughs> Do you remember that? Where you could watch TV yeah, yeah. and then have it snap to the side and it was vertical. What a good idea. I wish that had worked for other things and not been shite. Um, yeah, that would have been good. All right. Thank you, Matthew Jones, for sending that in. That was a good uh, I liked ego that. trip. I know, I liked it, yeah. And it also, like, it's a cool little bit of research going on and just having a look at some of the hours for games. Like, you surprise yourself. It's a peek into Dale's least. frightening mind. That's what I like. <laughs> okay, uh, feedback. Matt, you're up first. Yeah, I've got this one from Dr. Charles Williams. A real doctor. Yeah, well, I mean... He says he's a doctor. I have not yeah. seen his doctorate, so cannot verify, but um, we'll assume he's honest. Hi, gang. First, to weigh in on the running story of Cole's mum's blended egg, including shell, and lemon, including peel, hangover <laughs> cure monstrosity. It's definitely a true tale. Cole is my friend, and I lived with his mum for a year. She's what? well into... <laughs> getting his what mates to write in to validate this? <laughs> 
She's well into alternative food trends like raw cooking and eating eggshells. It's so her. Right, I just... Sorry. Cole is my friend and I lived with his mum for a year. Is this like a stepdad situation where it's like, yeah, me and him are mates? I was thinking it's more like a you, me and Dupree sort of situation. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah, sorry. Unpick that as much as you want. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, we've taken this completely, uh, you know, he could he could be, Cole could be listening to this like, who the fuck is Dr. Charles Williams? <laughs> He's not my mate. <laughs> anyway, sorry, let's, uh, yeah. yeah, raw cooking, eating eggshells. Yeah, one time she even did a Cambo Cleans where she had frog venom applied to her skin, resulting in copious vomiting, hallucinations, oh. etc., but that's not my story to tell. Cole, what? write in. Tell us is about this, your mum's mad this, remedies. Wait, wait, wait. Frog is that? That's like one of those um, go into the jungle and have a vision quest type situations, isn't it? Getting frog <laughs> Far venom. Cry 3. Where do you get a regular supply of frog venom from as well? Oh, I can get frog venom frogs? tomorrow, mate. Oh, I could get you, mate. I, I, could, pr- I could prime <laughs> it to you. <laughs> um, and that's that's all he's got to say about, uh, about Cole's mum. But... For nan recipes, I can't believe I was we're doing fed... mum stories now. This is how far we've come. <laughs> For nan recipes, I was often fed sticks of cheese wrapped in ham as a child. A winning combination, I'm sure you'll agree. Nan also used to give me sandwiches with an off-brand Lurpak equivalent spread an inch thick on both sides. Yes, I was a fat kid and still struggling with it now, to be honest. <laughs> and then the, the tone's about to get a bit more sombre, so let's, yes. let's pay our respects. Yeah. She passed away on Boxing Day of last year after a nasty brain hemorrhage and a slow fading away. Over the years, she sport me with every console from the PS1 onwards and countless games, inadvertently moulding me into the towering nerd that I am today. Rest in peace, Sheila Jones. She would never in a million years have understood what a podcast was. Oh, that's fair. Cheers oh. all, Dr. Charles Williams. Wow, what a ride that was. Good on you, Sheila Jones. Yeah. I love inch-thick butter and PlayStations, <laughs> so she sounds like a ledge. All right. Next one's from Justin in Massachusetts. Uh, do you know what? When you've got a bit of a lisp, pronouncing Massachusetts is not the easiest thing in the world. I thought you did well. <laughs> Hello there. I've come to confess my newfound guilty pleasure game. Lately, lately, I have put nearly 20 hours into King of Retail, which if you haven't played is a retail simulator. Manage the categories of items you sell, which items from those categories hire, train and manage associates, floor plan layouts. You get the idea. Coming from over a decade of management at Walmart before moving on to greener pastures, for C's sake, I should absolutely despise this game. Yet here I am, yelling at my screen because someone I hired to run the register just gave me someone $30 instead of charging them $140. What game or games do you find yourself enjoying even though you shouldn't? Or the general consensus is it's shit. Thanks for the entertainment and for God's sake, respect the C. Uh I just want to point out I'm fully behind for C's sake. That's good. <laughs> Glad that's creeping into the language. Yeah, um, uh, I'll just get it out of the way. Dynasty Warriors. Now we can say mm. the rest. Um, yeah. Um, like, there's definitely games that I know are fundamentally not very good, but I still end up playing them. Um, I guess, I mean, I don't know about what Cardi actually thinks about uh, Avengers. Does he actually like it or not? I don't know. I get the impression that he understands it's not good, but he still likes to play. Cardi and I, I think, have different... Uh, sorry, have the same opinion on the game. It's just he commits to it more, uh, which is that the moment-to-moment, like, playing the game is fun. It's just that the game doesn't let you really progress ever yeah. um, after a certain point. So 
yeah, I think that's... I, so I do think he enjoys Avengers in and of itself. Mm. Um, I, I guess with Friday the 13th, like, the general consensus was that I was is a poor game. Um, I think what I enjoy more there is the um, playing with my friends mm. and the moments that we create while we're playing the game as opposed oh, yeah, to the actual yeah. game itself. So I'd say, yeah, fundamentally it's a bad game, but I enjoy playing it. It's also it's mostly mobile games for me. Stuff like I played Tiny Tower for years. Do you remember Tiny mm. Tower? Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was like it's one of those ones where it's just clicking. It's just clicking yeah. up, and for some reason, I've got a broken brain. So that's fair enough. What, what about you, Matt? So I don't generally play anything like this. I've got like a weird mindset. I don't play a lot of mobile. Well, I don't play any mobile games, and I don't play any like Switch games, which are just those kind of things where it's you play for 10 minutes and put them away and those are kind of quite often a a bit shit Mm. and generally i only find myself playing good games what i am guilty of watch a load of shit tv (laughs) i've i've curbed it a lot in recent years but at one point i can remember when i used to live with jules who works at gaming bible i think i was watching 23 different shows a week like active shows and i was what so so every day there'd be like yeah and this was my thing. Like, I got so into the CW. So I was watching all of Arrowverse, like Supergirl, um, like Arrow and Flash and stuff like that. I'd watch, uh, like, Gotham. Remember Gotham? Oh, God, I used to yeah. watch that on weekly. Um, stuff like The Hundreds. I used to be well into all of that kind of, like, I guess, teen-style trash. Yeah. And I used to love it. Like, I knew it was trash, but there's something about it. And even now, there's... I won't watch everything that's on the CW, but sometimes I look at things and go, you know what, that actually looks quite fun trash. So I like Riverdale. I haven't watched much of this season, but it's because it's so outlandishly and sort of like almost knows it's bad, so it's intentionally quite mm. camp. Mm. Um, there's something about that that's a guilty pleasure for me. I will absolutely watch the new Powerpuff Girls show that they're doing. <laughs> that's oh, live yeah. action. Like, that looks wicked. It will be shit, but I will enjoy it nonetheless. I'm ready the, for the it. one you mentioned the 100 is that mm-hmm. the one um where it's like a bunch of teenagers on a like an island trying to kill each other or something yeah like yeah it was very much i i actually the way i got into that was this was before i um worked at igm but i read whoever wrote the review probably matt fowler wasn't it for mm. the hundred and they said it's sort of a bit like hunger games and at this time i was in a phase where i really liked hunger games so i was like <laughs> yeah. yeah i'll watch that and ended up watching it for like six seasons and then oh realized my God. It's probably quite shit by this point. So I'm gonna, I've got something else to do with my life. I watched the first couple of episodes of that and I was like, this is not for me. It's, it's a <laughs> bit too American, like cheap yeah. television. It's like, I, I, it didn't sit with me at all. I loved, like, Buffy was a thing that molded me as a kid. Like, Buffy and Firefly and Angel were huge parts of my childhood. Also, I fucking love Doctor Who, even though it's shite. Like,. <laughs> Um, so there's plenty yeah. of stuff that kind of like I've still got that attachment to kind of cheap produced American genre shows. Mm. Um, but yeah, I watch nowhere near as many. Like I think probably the most recent thing like that I watched. I like Sabrina and I watched all of Sabrina. Okay. Um, but like I don't watch any of the current Arrowverse stuff unless they do. Sometimes they do this mad thing where they do a big crossover event between all the shows and they all come together in their kind of big Avengers moment. Yeah, I've no idea back. what led up to that, but I'll watch those two episodes <laughs> and get a kick out of it. Cool. Joe, last email. The last email is from Jeff Smith from Pittsburgh, the Steel City, he says. <laughs> um, that's Sheffield, actually, so sorry, yeah, Jeff. Come on, mate. Have you seen the full Monty? Come on. Uh, he says, 
What's up, you dirty degenerates? Just kidding. You guys are great. What a way to start. That's yeah. a, maybe that's like a big Pittsburgh thing. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to pretend everything's a Pittsburgh yeah. thing in this now. <laughs> I'm writing in to talk about what a pleasant surprise it takes to is. Correct. Me and my girlfriend played a way out when that came out, so I kind of assumed it would be close to the quality of that. Not that that was a bad game or anything. Disagree. But it was. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, Okay. <laughs> That must be a Pittsburgh thing. <laughs> he, does this, he does this a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> anyway, towards the end of the game, he says that, towards the end of the game, I asked my girlfriend what her favourite segment of the game was. And honestly, we both struggled to find a favourite part of the game because there are that many great parts of that game. Uh, they, like, these don't really spoil the mechanics of It Takes Two. They're just locations. Yeah. Uh, my favourites were definitely the space part in her bedroom and the cuckoo clock gives you some sense of the breadth mm. uh but god damn was this game diverse and did everything great uh i'm going to skip this se- section this sentence because i think it does give away one of the best twists in the okay game. uh but it is a section of the game that he is referring to that i agree is amazing i don't usually write into stuff like this but this game definitely inspired me to i'll give this game the prestige 10 conquers out of 10 Ah <laughs> 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 oh, man people in pittsburgh love conquers now this is the best brilliant uh my question is what was your favorite segment of it takes two respect the sea um well yeah you've kind of half referred to one of them that i don't want to give away for a game mechanic reason um in terms of just pure setting which i think is more fair game to talk about there is a sequence where you are um stuck actually no i think one of the best i think one of my favorite bits is being in like essentially like a duplo kingdom as in like a medieval (laughs) fantasy place but built out of bricks and like homemade stuff that's really good there's also a section set inside a snow snow globe um and the things i love about those bits which i've i think i've said before is uh, those are the moments where the game sort of stops for a bit and it's given you a few new mechanics, but it's not just a linear path through stuff. It just goes, this is kind of an open area. Go tool about, see what there is to look at and just have mm. a nice time looking at things before you carry on. And I love those. It does a few of those bits along the way. It reminds me of um, Brothers Tale of Two Sons, Joseph Farris's old game, had this one thing, very straightforward game, very straightforward puzzles, just a really nice narrative experience. But every so often it would place a bit where you could just sit and look at things and the game would just stop and the camera would pan up and you'd just look at a really nice landscape and it would be for no reason other than that. And it has that same vibe where it's just like, just chill out for a bit, have a nice time, just see what we've we've made for you and then move on at your own pace. And I, I, I love the way he plays with pace that way. Yeah, I've only been in three environments, so I can't really say what my favorite part is now, but I have enjoyed those moments where you've just said but where it's like a little game on the side that are very much tailored to like this doesn't progress anything in the story but it's just the two of you can have fun together at the moment you know there's a one where one of you goes into a jar and you can perform executions mm. to the other it person. is quite strange yeah <laughs> uh, but it was but it was a nice like break from me sort of having to guide my wife okay we're going here now we're going here now now we've just got a thing in front of us let's just have a bit of fun with a whack-a-mole mm. game and stuff like that. Mm. I, I really like it um can't wait to play more. Matt, have you played much of it? Yeah, actually? so I get the impression I might have played about as much as you, Dale. So last yeah. weekend, um, I played it with, with a really good friend who didn't know anything about it. And I thought that was quite sweet because he had yeah. no idea what to expect. But he adores Mario and mm. had no idea that it had got, certainly at the start, has got a lot of Mario to it. Mm. Yeah. And then kind of like that space segment. Have you played the space segment, Dale? No, I haven't. So I'm With Moon Baboon. Yeah, Moon Baboon. I love Moon great. Baboon. 
but that's got, that one's designed a little bit more like a Crash Bandicoot game. It's kind of a little bit hubby, and you keep going back to a place and rotating mm. into new areas. Oh, nice. And so that was nice. But the thing that I really got a kick out of is, I think it's pretty much the first area is set in like a workshop outside kind of like their house. And so a lot of it is using like tools, like hammers and nails and, and stuff yeah. like that. And as someone that grew up with a dad who's very hands-on and I worked in a builder's merchant for a long time, there's something that I get out of a kick of seeing mundane things in Mm. games because so much of games is naturally fantastical that sometimes seeing that like you one of the characters is able to carry nails in a backpack but it's a set of wall plugs yeah. that he puts there and yes. it's that thing that the borrowers did very well when there used to be the borrowers tv show where everything was about shrinking stuff down and making just things that are lying around your house seem like these incredible things i think it does that so well and i just love like using all those elements there's a bit where you have a boss fight which i won't explain exactly how the boss fight works but we've already hinted on there are things like falling nails in that area there's also circular saws that change the way the environment works Mm. and all of that is a great thing of seeing these mundane things get turned into really cool game mechanics and i just i can't wait to play more of this like i love it so much if there's um if there's a diff just just to check matt have you got to the end of the moon baboon bit i've done the boss fight yeah yeah the bit we are on the moon without giving away how it deals with that. I fucking love that bit so much where it starts splitting up what you have to do as two different people yeah. in very different ways. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just so good. It's, I love that game. It's just it's just amazing. Everyone play it. Yeah, Matt, well, if your friend doesn't want to play it anymore yeah. or hasn't got time to do it, give me a shout. Absolutely. I want to play it. I'll to be quite it, honest, I'll, I'd probably I'll, play it a few times through. Well, that's I like what I'm it. thinking as well. Yeah. It's also worth playing both sides. Like I've done the mm-hmm. first three or four chapters all as as both characters, and the 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 interactions are different enough that no matter whether you know what you're doing or not, you'll have a nice time doing the other thing you didn't get to do. So it's it's really cool. cool. Lovely. All right, that's it. Thanks for writing in, everyone. If you want to write in and let us know what you think, maybe what your favorite bit in it takes two is, or if you want to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier or some sort of food story because inevitably they keep coming around and around and again it's ign underscore uk feedback at ign.com and that's it cheers guys what what Thanks. music are we doing oh yeah shit um what music are we doing what have we spoken about uh we've spoken about all the same mm. stuff as normal <laughs> <laughs> and i think we've done the actual it takes two song before as well yeah oh no Oh, what, no. ooh, what about the music that um, Zemo was dancing to in the club? <laughs> yes, that's good. That or <laughs> go. Ode to Joy from Peggle. I don't mind. Your choice. I'll go for the Zemo one. Let's I'll do this. All right, cool. Cheers, guys. Bye. See ya. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.